Welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me for an exciting and informational podcast this week. You know, if you've been mad at somebody about all the supply chain parts availability and service delay issues, we've got your advocate. Russ Damaris of RVTravel.com will be joining us, sharing some of his success stories in this consumer advocacy role and also some of the things that you might do to make sure you get your fair share of consideration and good service next time you're looking for help from somebody who probably took a lot of your money at one point or another. Yeah, we've got a little bit more of everything beyond that, but you know, here's the key. You will learn something today about how to get along with the folks who can take care of you in the RV industry. Yeah, it's all coming up this week on the RV Travel Podcast, so stick around. We're brought to you in part by Clear 2 Water Management, the teardropshop.com, airskirts.com, welcome to you guys, and campgroundviews.com. And we're starting off with clear2o.com. That's where you find all the solutions to your water purity questions clear2o.com. They got the dirt guard. That's the big one. Filters out all the major chunks and then the inline water filter in bright green. So you can't mistake it for those other lesser technologies. Learn more about them. Free shipping on any order over $100 in the lower 48 states. Five-star reviews up the yin-yang. Learn more about how to keep your water better tasting and Get rid of all those funny smells at clear2o.com. So without further ado, let's talk to Russ Damaris. Russ is with rvtravel.com. He's your man on the street, as it were, helping us all out in one way or another. Russ, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Thank you. You are, um, you are, you are, a guy with a victory under his belt, so to speak. Uh, let's let's start with that. I like to uh, keep it positive. What what happened with this whole deaf? Uh, I want to say sensor thing, but it's it's something else, isn't it? Well, the sensors were kind of the base. We've started getting reports from RVers, of course, mostly motorhomers that uh, had Cummins-equipped engines and. They were getting stranded. The, their sensors would notify them there was something wrong with their diesel exhaust fluid system. And if they didn't uh, get it fixed in fairly short order, then their engines would derate and they could be pushed down to like five miles an hour, which, of course, isn't a very happy combination if you happen to be tootling down the interstate. Especially be- between towns. Uh, exactly. And, and, of course, it had had an impact on folks that hadn't actually had it happen to, but were fearful that it would. I don't know how many people told us, you know, I've got the RV parked in the driveway. I don't want to go anywhere because I'm afraid we'll get stuck somewhere and we won't be able to do anything about it. So it was just a, a problem all the way around. 
I can relate personally because I've had some issues with that thing. And I, and I finally learned what derating means. And just last week, I was somewhere far away from everything. And I had forgotten to check the level on my diff. And it started nagging me. And it, and it, and it it's there to drive you nuts. I'm convinced whoever created that program did it to make you mad. Because the first thing they tell you is fill up your diff tank. Then they tell you in 250 miles, you're only going to be able to go five miles an hour. And then every 50 miles after that, it's warning you and warning. And all you can do is think about that. And that's even before it does derate you. What is the worst, mm -hmm. what is the worst case scenario? <laughs> the worst case scenario? Uh, well, we had a couple that were stranded several hundred miles away from home and because their deaf sensor system went down and because of the part shortage that everybody is associating with all the other kinds of shortages we're seeing among products in the United States, they were stuck for a number of weeks and they couldn't go anywhere. They just had to wait on the dealer's lot for something to happen until those parts came in because they could get going. And well, that was the situation at that time. Uh, we published the story and it caught the attention of a group of, of tech-minded RVers. Uh, they started looking into it, and the first suggestion that came out from them was, well, hey, this doesn't need to be, uh, because what would happen if you were out on the golf course and you had a heart attack, and the ambulance came and scooped you up, and you got down the road, and the ambulance derated, or the fire truck on the way to your house fire derated? Well, the federal government recognized that would be a problem. So for emergency vehicles, they wrote a section into their laws that would allow those vehicles to continue even if the deaf system started kicking up. So their question to the Fed was, why can't we do this for our years until we get these parts back in stock? Why can't we have the software rewritten so that these folks can continue on until the parts become available? Well, the feds responded somewhat favorably, industry-related somewhat favorably, but like anything dealing with government and industry, it seems like it <laughs> takes forever to get anything done. Their response to that was, all right, we'll do you one better. We'll simply put together a device that you can plug in to your motorhome that will keep you going. And they made sure that it met federal law standards, grudgingly, the, the, the feds agreed. Uh, and about that time, lo and behold, the EPA and industry got it together and has now written in this software patch for some users. Now, now let just to be clear, I've only been nagged by that stupid computer because my level is low. The deaf level is low. But we're talking about a basically a, a computer problem most of the time, aren't we? Right. The sensors that tell the engine control computer that, hey, the either the deaf system is working great or there's a problem, those sensors were acting up. They're crapping out. And... Uh, so the engine control system is saying, oh, okay, well, if that's, that's bad, we've got to derate. And the funny thing is the deaf sensors are signaling that there's a problem in many cases where there really is no problem. There's, yeah. plenty, of, there's plenty of exhaust fluid. Uh, it's at the right level, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so they're not really polluting the environment at all. They're simply false reporting to the engine control system. I'm going to blame it all on a previous administration, but the the fact I'm not the, going there. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, uh, 
any any diesel engine built in what the last probably 10 years has you don't just fill up the diesel fuel tank you fill up this stupid def tank diesel exhaust fluid and it is um basically um another way to uh minimize uh pollutants out the tailpipe am i right absolutely and it ends up costing you another you know probably half a buck a gallon all told from the math that I've been doing lately about this sort of thing. And you got to keep it filled up. And this is another problem in and of itself, but this electronic program, what is the latest? Bring us up to speed on that, Russ. For folks who have engines that are affected by this, if the engine manufacturer and the deaf head supplier, that the company that actually, and we need to backtrack for just a minute. Cummins has probably taken the biggest hit on this because a lot of the uh, folks with with the uh, diesel pusher motorhomes have got Cummins engines under the hood. Uh, Cummins does not build those DEF sensors. However, it's their engine control units that talk to the DEF sensors. So here's the here's the fix that uh, that industry and the EPA came out with. The EPA went back to the folks that manufacture the DEF sensors and they said, if you're really having a problem and you can't supply these DEF sensors right now, okay, then that's when we can allow this software patch to step in and allow the motorhome to continue to operate, even though the sensors are sending out these signals that there's something wrong with the DEF system. Industry agreed. They said, yeah, if, if we can't supply the DEF sensors, then fine. We'll go ahead. We'll let you write that patch. So, so if, if, if you've got an engine where they can't get the sensors, you should have received notification from the manufacturer by now okay. that, yeah, here's a workaround for you. But, of course, here's the trick. It's only if you've been <laughs> stranded. <laughs> if, if your DEF system hasn't failed yet, you can't get the software patch, so you can drive out of the driveway and worry about whether you're going to stall somewhere down the road. Lovely. Uh, so, so practically speaking, what should somebody do right now if they never got a notification? Uh, for example, I didn't get one, but I just have a big pickup truck. Uh, maybe it, it doesn't apply to me, but um, what are the steps that we should take to advocate on be behalf of ourselves for this? If you've got a pickup, you're much less likely to be having problems. This, this issue <laughs> seems to be uh, pretty well isolated among uh, motorhomes and of course long haul truck drivers are, are also struggling with this and we've gotten feedback from folks that operate uh, aerial cranes oh my with diesel oh engines my i had one guy who says imagine oh. having a 30,000 pound oh. load on your hook and all of a sudden you you lose throttle control oh god <laughs> I, I i guess everything's relative it's still bad enough <laughs> but it could create real headaches for oh. those on the ground yeah that's for sure hey you're listening to the rv travel podcast i'm scott linden the host that's Russ Damaris. he's our man i oh i want to say in detroit at the moment but no we know he's not over there but he's working hard for us in all these consumer advocacy roles russ um what else is on your radar screen right now in that regard well as you know um at rv travel we have uh, set up a consumer focus area yeah. uh, we're, we're publishing at least an article a week uh, on a consumer binge and initially we asked for our readers to help us out we said, if you're having trouble with your RV, 
If you're having trouble with RV-related products and service issues, please send us, send us an email, let us know, and let's see if we can help you. Uh, so far, we've gotten information back from readers. Uh, I've got one, one fellow right now we're trying to help. His landing gear has failed in his fifth wheel, and oh. it's taking weeks for him to get those landing gear parts from the manufacturer. Fortunately, he's, he's found a place where he can park his rig in a relative's yard while he's waiting for help. Uh, got another reader with an RV that's in a park, and uh, he has no way to get it out to the dealer, but now he's got a problem. So he called the dealer. The dealer says, well, sorry, I can't come out and fix it for you. So we're trying to find them a, a mobile service facility that will come in and help them out. Um, got a brand new one just a couple of days ago. Guy says, uh, yeah, my brand new RV, I was going to take it out for the shakedown cruise. Before we left, we noticed water coming out of the bathroom and going across the living room floor. Turns out the shower was leaking, started to damage the inside side walls and the floor. You know, this, this is kind of, a, unfortunately, a recurring theme. A lot of feedback from folks that are just plain disgusted with the quality of their so-called brand new RVs that are coming off the line. So we're trying to, to kind of step in and see what we can do to help, give them helpful direction. In some cases, we're trying to deal with the manufacturers. Uh, we're also in the process of building a database of um, RV shops. You can imagine what would happen. Well, it happened to us just the other week. We were out in Oregon, and we had trouble with the transmission. We didn't know who to go to. And there's no real place to look on the Internet. Uh, you can shop around on the Internet websites trying to find out who's good, who's bad. You really have no idea. So we've asked our readers, if you've had experience with RV repair shops, uh, please tell us if you've had good experiences, if you had bad experiences. So we'll put together a database where readers can, wherever they are in the United States, they can look up and hopefully find a shop close to them that they might be able to trust. I love it. Uh, well, thank you for all your hard work on that. We're just getting warmed up around here on the RV Travel Podcast. So, uh, Russ, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to take a break while everybody else pays close attention to the next couple commercial messages, if you will, please. And the first one is for us. RVTravel.com slash who makes what is where you go for your free over 70 page edition updated recently of all the brands and all the manufacturers. So, Hey, if Russ can't help you and all of our fellow RVers can't help you, you might be able to figure out who actually built your RV and go chase them down. It's being used every day by repair people, by dealers, by their service departments. There's so many reasons to know who actually makes what RVs under what brand names. Learn all about it and get your free copy at rvtravel.com slash who makes what. And if you want to know who makes all the accessories for your teardrop style trailer, just go to teardropshop.com. My friends over there will have something for you in every aspect of accessories, service equipment, you name it, even the tchotchkes to go on your kitchen table. If you got a little guy, a tab, an R-Pod, any of those, even some of the homemade teardrops out there, sign up for the newsletter and get a discount code for 10% off all parts and accessories, military discounts as well. It's all at teardropshop.com. 
No, I did not play that guitar part myself. But thanks, Russ. I appreciate your waiting for us. Russ Damaris rejoins us here at the RV Travel Podcast. Russ, you've heard it all, but you've also experienced some of this stuff personally. You just mentioned one aspect, um, uh, a transmission issue. I wish you'd call me. I'm here in Oregon. I can recommend a couple guys that... Hopefully they could help you next time you break down in our wonderful home state. But beyond that, what else have you had to put up with that we might learn something from? I, I want to say I, I, I originally reached out to you when you had a tire issue of some sort. And this was not maybe a part or even availability. I think it was just crappy service of some sort. <laughs> well, we did have an experience. Uh, we were uh, put up for a couple of weeks in a campground in uh, Nevada, and uh, the day before we were ready to leave, I was doing the walk-around inspection and discovered, lo and behold, one of the four trailer tires is flatter than a pancake. So we called the uh, the road service folks, and the next morning they showed up, and the fella changed the tire out for us. I tossed her in the back of the truck and headed up the road and uh, pulled into a, uh, a tire shop that I had had experience with before. And the gent tells me, well, he says, this tire is beyond help. Unfortunately, he says, you've got uh, tire separation right in the tread. Well, I didn't have time to deal with it, so up the road we went, and we pulled into another tire shop. This one was in Oregon. After we had blown a tire on the interstate just a few miles from there. So we lost two tires. And uh, when I got into the second shop, the guy looks at me and he goes, do you know your tires are uh, seven years old? And I said, no, no way. I said, I just put them on the rig when I bought it. And I said, that was two years ago. Well, come to find out, Walmart sold me used tires instead of brand new tires. (laughs) Wow. you got to be careful about those things. Uh, I I should have known better. I should have checked the date codes when those tires were put on. But by the time the, the good folks got done putting the tires on, it was dark, and I had to head across country. So always, always, always check the work as best you're able to do. And that certainly holds true for folks that are uh, buying new RVs. Before you walk off the lot and hand them your check, do a thorough, thorough walkthrough. In fact, that's an article we're working on right now is RV inspection service. Because I get readers who tell me, you know, I don't know what I'm looking for. Well, that's understandable, particularly if you're new to the RV lifestyle. Uh, dropping a few hundred dollars in on an inspection for a $500,000 motorhome is, is just seems to make sense to us. So we're putting a story together for readers to learn where they can find a qualified inspector. I love that idea. We wouldn't buy a house without a home inspection. Absolutely. Why, why should we buy a ve- vehicle that probably costs more than our first house uh, without the same thing? And there are so many things. And again, I lived through that hell as well. When we bought our last rig, we got it all squared away, but we were a day late pulling out of the dealer's lot as a result of all of that. And boy, were they scrambling for another 24 hours. Uh, <laughs> You know, there are all sorts of things like that that we can uh, maybe foresee and plan for, anticipate. Uh, And if we do those things and follow the directions in your upcoming article, I'm sure that'll help a lot. But we're always going to, at some point in our RV travel career, we're going to, we're going to 
have a problem and we want to make sure that it is resolved in the most amicable and efficient way. Can you give us any advice about how to approach that, whether it's that goofy tire thing you had or the leaky shower, or in my case, the heat, the tank heater fuse box issue, whatever it is, how do we start an encounter with a repair person and how do we ensure that everybody gets what they want out of the whole transaction? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? And and I wish I had a good, easy answer for you on that one. There's too many variables involved. That's one of the reasons for our uh, suggestion to our readers to, to tell us about good experiences they've had. Great. Uh, we had a situation out of... Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> needles, needle. We had a situation out of Needles, California. We had crawled a, across Needles and were headed up toward the Nevada side. And the wife wrinkles up her nose and she says, something smells. And I wiggled my nose a little bit. And sure enough, I had to agree. I could smell fresh diesel. So oh, I pulled boy. over, popped the hood, and I had a plume of diesel blowing around underneath the hood. Wow. Uh, of course, I... Not did not act wisely in this case. I should have shut the engine down and called for a toad. Instead, I turned around, drove the nine miles back down into Needles. When we pulled over, we called a friend who lived in Needles and said, hey, where's there a good repair shop? Well, fortunately, we got some directions on that one. We had help there, and we were able to work our way out of that situation. It took an extra day out of our lives, but... You know, that's part of the, uh, what is it that the, the the slogan of the RV salesmen's are? Life's an adventure, go RVing? Yeah. Well, they don't, they don't tell you that part of the adventure is when your RV breaks. <laughs> you just have to include that in your trip plans. Things are not always going to go as you want. I, uh, no doubt about it, uh, and I feel for you. I spent a week one night in Needles, California. Uh, <laughs> but... But, you know, how do you, I mean, maybe you're the textbook, you know, the poster boy for that particular situation. How do you go about getting, getting, finding somebody for service? We talked a little bit about that. But then how do you present the pro problem to them? And how do you make clear to them that I don't have three weeks to sleep in your parking lot while you fix that? Yeah, making it clear to the tech that you are on the road and that you know, you need attention as best you're able. And very often, folks will bend over backwards, try and help you out. We've had readers that told us, you know, they had a really serious situation. The, 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 the dealership or the repair shop put them up out on the back lot, gave them electricity, saw to it that they had what they needed. Of course, on the other hand, you can have dealers that are going to tell you, I'm sorry, we're swamped. It'll be at least a week before we can even do diagnostics. It's just a crapshoot. Is there, I mean, and I've lived this uh, the wrong way, and maybe maybe there is a, a righter way than this, but what what should be our level of expectation? If we bought a $200,000 RV from some dealer, and we have serious issues early on in our ownership career, what should be our reasonable expectation about the whole service protocol? We could go back a, a little bit in American history. Uh, what should be the expectation when you buy a new car? You drive it off the lot, you change the oil, you get new tires, and you're going to expect occasional needs for service. But unfortunately, for a long time in the country, 
you bought a U.S. made car and you could expect nothing but trouble. So how did people respond to that? Well, the competition from Japan, from Korea came in and showed American industry that cars could be built and expected to work like they're supposed to when they drive off the lot. And, well, American car manufacturers learned a big lesson from that. They got hurt for a while, but now when you buy an American car, for the most part, you can expect a reasonable service life without a lot of headaches. Unfortunately, I think it's probably going to take the same thing for U.S. manufacturers. At some point in the future, uh, European RV manufacturers are going to gain a toehold in the United States, and it's going to probably turn the heads on, on the folks back in Elkhart, Indiana. You make a good point. In the meanwhile, um, we can uh, be a little pushy, but not too pushy. Um, this list, I'm pretty excited about this uh, repair shop list you're pulling together and how will we be able to find that once it's available once it's available the idea is you'll be able to go to our reference page on rv travel and uh, we'll clearly mark out if you need help here's where you can go and then uh, you'll be able to go down by state and by city and uh, you'll hopefully have more than one shop to pick from but uh, of course there's plenty of areas in the country you'll have one and uh, from there, we'll also include readers' comments as to why they think this is a good shop. And we'll also have a list of uh, shops you might want to avoid. Well, you know, I'll tell you, that if, if there's one thing the RV community does well, it's spread good and bad news. And in this case, that's a real advantage. And we'll look for it at rvtravel.com. Rust Ameris is heading out the efforts in what I'll loosely call consumer advocacy for RVers at rvtravel.com. Russ, great to finally have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for being a part of it. Well, appreciate being here. Thanks so much to you. Hey. We still got plenty to go here. I got another guest on the line already, so stick around for that. Right after this message from campgroundviews.com. You know, if you've ever wondered what that site or that campground looks like before you make the commitment to go there, go to campgroundviews.com and almost literally, but truly virtually, you'll be able to drive through that campground. Look at every campsite. If that one meets your needs, you can find out if it's vacant for the nights you want, and you can even make your reservation. It's all at campgroundviews.com. They're adding new campgrounds every week all over the country. National parks, state parks, they're going to get down to the county park level. They've got them all. They're working on them. Try before you buy with a seven-day trial membership at no charge. It's all at campgroundviews.com. And joining me on the program right now, our newest sponsor, and boy, does he have a great idea. Jim Phelan joins me from airskirts.com. What's an airskirt? Well, that's what I said. Luckily, Jim will be able to help us with that. Jim, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Thanks for having me, Scott. I really appreciate it. Very excited to talk to you today. And me too, because I love talking with entrepreneurs who have uh have created solutions to some of the problems we face in our world. Why don't you just describe to me how the air skirt concept uh, became reality? 
So I was a longtime New York City resident and, you know, did the software startup thing. And eventually I did that thing that, you know, I think a lot of people want to do and more and more people are, are able to do now, um, which is sold all my stuff and got an airstream and hit the road. Um, and uh, I loved it. But but one thing that occurred to me really early on is I'm, I'm from Connecticut. I grew up here and uh, it gets cold. And uh, when people camp in their campers in cold weather, they need something called a skirt. And this is, uh, you know, typically something where you drill a bunch of holes in your trailer and you hang kind of a, a sheet of vinyl down that prevents things from freezing. And I just didn't like that, Scott. And I, uh, so what I did was I kind of made some stuff out of styrofoam and, you know, I was still doing my regular gig. Um, and eventually it just kind of popped into my head, like, why couldn't this just be inflatable? And that's where the name air skirts comes from. They are skirts that are filled with air. They go under your RV. They don't require any drilling holes. Um, and they have a you know a host of other benefits as well. So that's sort of the, the genesis of the idea and where it came from. It was really something I built for myself that kind of matured into, you know, it being an invention of necessity into a real product and a real business. And and if you want to see, folks, how this this actually works, go to the website, Air skirts.com there's a great informative video uh, but in a nutshell why don't you describe how what they look like and how they function sure so the the skirts um so if you if you were at a campground in the winter you'd probably see people with styrofoam board around their trailers um maybe a nicer vinyl skirt drilled in and snapped onto their trailer ours are totally different and they're quite eye-catching um, so if you do end up getting them you will get a lot of questions but they're big inflatable tubes they're military grade tubes um, they're used out of the same stuff as zodiac boats are made out of another you know heavy duty inflatable watercraft these tubes um, in, they come in different sizes and you put them under your your trailer or your coach and you inflate them air pressure pins them in place and that creates this big cushion of uh, insulation because trapped air is a good natural insulator. So you're forming a perimeter around your RV um, that keeps all the warm air under your RV and prevents freezing pipes, retains energy, and keeps you more comfortable. Now, this is not for everybody, uh, but there are a lot of people who do need to be somewhere in their RV in pretty cold weather. Uh, who, yeah. who are the kind of the best candidates for this, uh, this idea? Well, one thing I'll say is we do recommend people use these year round because they actually have some great uh, benefits for warm weather too, mm -hmm. in that they help, you know, retain some of your air conditioning and save you some energy costs. But our customers are primarily people uh, who are either full-time RVers um, who live in areas where it does get cold. Uh, pretty much anybody who's in an RV living in it where it might get freezing is going to need some sort of skirt. It's a pretty wide audience or a uh, broad set of people. Um, but we find we have a lot of people who either are stationary full-time. Um, we have a lot of people who maybe work in oil fields or nuclear power plants or travel nurses um, who travel from job site to job site in their RV. They really like our system because it's so quick to set up and break down. Uh, and then you have other class classes of people. So we have people who jump from ski resort to ski resort um, or people who do hunting trips or fishing trips. So it's really all over the board. And, you know, you said it's quick to set up uh, and, you know, setting up the regular skirts that we use in one way or another, it's kind of a pain and it takes a while. How about yours? How long would it take for some guy after he's practiced a couple of times? How long does that installation process take? So it varies from trailer to trailer on my 27 foot Airstream. It takes me about 15, 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> 
And I would say most people probably about half an hour. Yeah. I'd, you know, expected to be a little longer the first time. Obviously, you got to prep the trailer a little bit. You got to get things figured out um, how you want the position. But it's really, really fast. Breakdowns similarly fast because our air pump that fills the tubes also deflates the tubes. And 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 we're not using a bicycle pump. You've you've got no. a, you've got a, a purposefully created pump am i correct yeah so it's a high velocity pump it's yeah. an 800 watt ac pump um, and they inflate very very fast i bet oh that's fantastic so so, so what when we're using these once they're set up and they're ready to not roll <laughs> I, uh, is there anything we need to do after that no, um, that's pretty much it. You got them set up, put in place. Uh, air pressure holds them in place, so they deal really well with high wind. You can kick them; they're not going to move. Um, you know, as the seasons change, uh, let's say you're going into spring, summer, you'll need to let a little air out. Same when it gets cold again, you'll need to put a little more in. That just has to do with air expanding, contracting with temperature. Other than that, there's really no maintenance. So when when they are when they are deflated and stored away. How big a parcel is that thing? Yeah, so it really depends because we have kits for 16-foot two-drop trailers and we have kits for 42-foot fifth wheels. Um, and this is very dramatically in size from 60 to 130 pounds in weight. Um, in terms of cubic footage, I'm not quite sure. Uh, the, the smaller kits ship out in a single 20-inch cube box. Um, and then they come with carry bags. Those carry bags are like 1.75 feet by 1.5 feet by one and a half feet, something like that. So it's relatively small and yeah, compact. Yeah. Um, they are hefty, um, but they do fold up pretty small. Um, so there's something you can store in the back of your tow vehicle or in under your, uh, if you're in a class A in your storage underneath. Um, and the tubes individually weigh between seven and 13 pounds, depending on what size tube it is. So they're pretty easy to handle. You could unload them or load them one at a time and, Absolutely. and save your back or whatever else is ailing you. Um, <laughs> yep, that's right. Um, and, and they're custom made by size. Is that how this works? So we sell them in configuration. So if you yeah. have, let's say you have a 42 fifth fifth wheel, we have a package that comes with a variety of size tubes. Um, so we make them in two, four, six, and eight foot lengths, and then mm -hmm. in two different diameters. So depending on your rig, you'll get a combination of tubes, and then you kind of set them up like Lego pieces until they fit blow them all up. And that's pretty much it. We don't custom make particular lengths. We just send out uh, specific quantities of each individual tube length, if that makes sense. So it does. And you guys are the experts on all of that. So we got to trust you with it, just like we trust uh, those other guys to, uh, to accommodate our needs, whatever it is. You've got some experience at that. So um, if you have grandkids, sounds like a great project. <laughs> you ever thought about making this fun as well <laughs> well they do make good pool toys as well oh, no I'm actually actually I'm a, oh, no they, they don't they don't actually with don't, us in our manual do not use the flotation device um, <laughs> um it, it it is a brilliant idea how's it being received so far it's uh it's unbelievable yeah. Scott, to tell you the yeah. truth i i you know this was a, a passion project uh labor of love and the reception this year in particular um it, it's just blown me away we are i wouldn't say struggling we're keeping up but it's you know we're definitely sprinting towards the, <laughs> the finish line here uh in terms that we just have massive amounts of inventory coming in and out every day um so it's been really really successful for us so far well as a serial entrepreneur myself 
I know how you feel, and congratulations. This is a great idea. You have met the needs out there for a lot of people. Great idea. Uh, what do we have on the horizon from airskirts.com? Anything? So we're looking at some new product development. Um, we're looking for things that, you know, we can extend uh, our business year-round. Uh, don't have anything to announce yet, but we'll have some cool ideas coming out soon that I think people are really going to like. Um, other than that, you know, we're just right now very, very singularly focused on helping our customers who need us right now, and that's a lot of work. Um, but there will be more. There's more in the in the making, uh, for sure. Now, looking forward to that. And, of course, if anybody wants to stay on top of all this stuff or learn more about it, earskirts.com is where you go. Watch the video in about, I think, about 90 seconds. You'll get it. It's that easy to figure out. And Jim says it's almost that easy to assemble once you get all your pieces. Jim's, okay. Jim Phelan with airskirts.com. A pleasure to talk with you. Welcome to the rvtravel.com world. And thanks for being a part of the podcast. Thanks, Scott. Real nice talking to you. Same here. And the rest of you, we are just about wrapped here, but that doesn't mean you can go quite yet. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you, Jim Phelan and Russ Damaris, for being a part of the podcast today. Learn something from both of them. Check in with Russ regularly at rvtravel.com. He's your man when it comes to interfacing with those folks who are driving you nuts and making you pull your hair out. Somebody's got to do it, and he's doing a great job of it right there. Thank you, if you will, in advance. Tell somebody else about the podcast. And don't forget, tell them about our new Out and About feature. It's at the RVTravel.com page, and it's also on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. So spread the word. Leave a review. Appreciate that. Thanks to our sponsors. And thank you to everybody who's been a part of the RV Travel Podcast so far. Leave you with this, a bumper sticker that you may or may not believe in. An RV is the best investment you can make in real estate. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. See you down the road.